this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Oh, sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. Um, And before we get into this week's episode and before we have everybody go around, um, and this week we're going to be talking about telenovelas, just say that first. Um, I just want to say a couple of things because, of course, there was an attempted coup by some white supremacist terrorists that happened um, on Wednesday. This will be released Friday, so a week and a half ago on January 6th. And I just would feel weird if I didn't say something or mention it or just say I know that this is a terrifying, terrifying time. And now more than ever, I mean, we've been needing to do this for years now anyway, but now more than ever, it's really important that we speak up. If you know anyone that was there, like you see pictures and you recognize them, turn them in because people who did this you know, they are terrorists, they are domestic terrorists, um, and they should be arrested. Um, Also, write your representatives. Um, I don't know what will have happened by the time this is released, but we need to get Trump out of there. Um, I know there's only a few more days left, but if we don't get him out of there, or if we don't at least try to impeach him, um, it sets a precedent that it's okay for this to happen. And this goes for Cruz. This goes for anyone who has supported him. Um, and that's, that's the thing is that if you don't do that, it says it's okay. Fascism is okay. We're okay with this. Let's continue doing this. And it empowers other people. The other reason is he cannot be allowed to ever run again. And so this needs to happen. Because if it doesn't, then he I mean, he can be allowed to run again. I don't think people realize that. Um, and he will. I mean, he will. So just need to do that. Speak up. Speak out. Do not, do not compare this to fights for justice. Because this is not a fight for justice. This is the exact opposite of a fight for justice. And if you see people comparing that, <laughs> call them out on it. Because I've seen it on friends post with people responding and saying that and this is nowhere near the same thing and it is insulting and frankly I think it's rather racist to compare the two so there okay so before we go around though another bit of business sorry um is once again we are taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to 9.99 a month and you can click the link in our show notes or go to our anchor page and click listener support um and then also we do have our red bubble store now so that is live that link will also be in the show notes it's also on our anchor page and it's also pinned on our twitter page 
So you can find the links there. We have like mugs and shirts and stuff. And every and 50% of what we see from there and the listener support will be going to one Black Lives Matter organization per month. Okay. So now let's go around, have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about now, right now, Carla. Hola, yo soy Carla Temis, and I am here to tell you about telenovelas and things I am excited about. I mean, I, I couldn't start off with just like a normal introduction when we're talking about telenovelas. It had to be dramatic. And I have to cry because it's not a telenovela episode without some tears. And I just feel the need to express currently that even though I love Meg dearly, she's making me watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and I'm just obsessed with how much I can't deal with watching this show. <laughs> and yet I'm doing it anyway because I love her. And I'm sure I'll warm up to it eventually. The things we do for the people we love. And I know this is not, that's not going to be your reaction when you start watching Queer as Folk. I know of it's going to be, not. yeah. It's all going to be like, like, wow. And I'm going to be over the moon. And I'm going to be texting you constantly. I can't believe I waited this long to watch this show. <laughs> I just know it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Megan? For me, uh, right now, and I'm sorry, I'm so <laughs> laughing over Carla's introduction. That was beautiful. I love that so much. Um, let's see. The thing that has me very excited right now is Will and Grace. Um, I've been rewatching it just because, I don't know, I need something kind of reassuring during this week. And it's been nice. I forgot how much I enjoyed that show. And I... I didn't start the new one yet, so I'm hoping to start the new one shortly after this one. Yeah, I'll be very curious to hear what you think about the new one. Because <laughs> I know you were supposed to be on our Will and Grace episode, and unfortunately, you weren't able to be. You weren't able to make it. But yeah, I'll be very curious to hear what you think about the new one. Because, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, when I was rewatching that last year when we um, did it for Pride Month, um, you know, yeah, I, f I forgot how it's it's can be a very comforting show. There are definitely issues with it, but there it can be a very comforting show and funny in parts. And you know, I forgot how much I loved Karen and Jack, and yeah, so especially they're they're the best part, of course. So and Susie. Hey, I just want to say, Carla, you completely forgot the ever iconic slap. You're you can't right. have a good telenovela without a slap. Like someone's gonna get slapped somewhere. Here we go. Make up for it now. Oh, <gasps> <gasps> no puede ser. Escándalo. No, nunca jamás. <laughs> but. Oh. Hello, I'm Susie. <laughs> that's really um well something that's been very that I recently watched and those of you who know, you know, um I recently watched Bridgerton. Um and I am not ashamed to say that I had binged watched the entirety of that in one sitting. Um <laughs> it was also watched with my family so if you know you know <laughs> you know you know there's some scenes 
that are, shall we say, <clears throat> saucy. <laughs> basically, like a little funny anecdote, um, when those scenes would come up, um, my my parents had me stand by, like we were watching it off of an iPad, so my parents basically had me stand by the iPad whenever like we could feel one of the scenes coming on, and I would like rapidly skip, and they're like, Sandy, skip through the scenes, and I'm like, I'm going, I'm going! It's like, oh man, that was heated, right? Whoo! <laughs> I... I really, it's kind of, okay, so th- for those that may not know, Bridgerton is kind of like, it's kind of like Jane Austen fan fiction mixed with some, um, I, I haven't seen the show, but I've heard a lot of comparisons to, I think, Gossip Girl. So I've heard, like, comparisons to that. Um, I haven't watched Gossip Girl, but I've heard, like, comparisons to it. Um Oh, and fun thing, I watched it entirely in Spanish, so I didn't get to hear any of the British accents whatsoever. <laughs> and yet, I was still intrigued. Um, I do like like the 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 allure of Regency era romance, and uh, one thing I really do want to praise the show for is just like the uh, the the representation in it because there are like people of color in lead roles which I think is very good, which is something you don't really see a lot in kind of like period dramas because oftentimes they're relegated to like a like a, a best friend role or a servant role and it's never them like like the leading man is a is a black man and it's like oh my god but the whole time I was like ooh this man he can get it Like, like it further reinforces my belief that if you put anyone in like Regency era clothes, the the hotness factor just goes right up. You're just like, oh. Case in point, I sent some of the girls a picture of Jensen Ackles in Regency, like photoshopped into Regency clothes, and it was like, oh, sir. Which also, Jensen, I don't know if you're listening to this, but hey. <laughs> But you need to definitely make a period drama. Because I'm going to need to see you <laughs> in one of those, like, chemises that's open. And you're just, like, in your feelings. Maybe swinging a sword out in a field. Or you're in a duel. Something. You're just a little hot at the collar. Just, like, pulls at the, at the little, like, ascot and stuff. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I just... I, yeah, if, uh, yeah. If, mm-hmm. yeah, if Jensen Ackles is listening to this podcast... Um, yeah. <laughs> or, not, or if someone knows him, send That's this to yeah. him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I think somebody else not too long ago mentioned that as the thing they were into. I haven't watched it yet. I am someone that isn't into Regency era stuff. I know it's horrible, but like I'm not a Jane Austen fan. Um. <laughs> So that's why I've hesitated, but I do think it's great that there's more representation in it. But I have heard the Gossip Girl comparison before, um, and I've never watched Gossip Girl either, but but I've heard that comparison too. Okay, and this is Aaron, and what I'm into is I was um, complaining the other day that I hadn't seen any movies made f- that were released in 2020 that are 2020 movies that have blown me away like – Waves did and Loose did and Rocket Man and um, 
A Star is Born and stuff that I hadn't seen a movie that really impacted me that for 2020 on that level. Well, that changed when I saw Sound of Metal, um, which is all about a heavy metal drummer who starts to lose his hearing. And it's all about him coming to terms with that, coping with that, learning whether or not he um, can accept that. Um, and it's just a beautiful beautiful film. Riz Ahmed is just so good in this movie. I mean, just so good. Um, Paul Rachi, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, is really good as well. He plays um, almost a mentor in a way. He takes he takes him into this, this community because um, the character Ruben is also an addict. And he has been sober. I can't remember how many years, but he's been sober. And so this happening is pushing him to the edge of maybe not being sober anymore. And so he goes to a community, a deaf community um, that also works in accordance with um, deaf children and a deaf school. And it's just, it's just really, really um, a beautiful, beautiful movie. I don't want to say too much because I just think you should just watch it and experience it. And um, the end scene, the last scene of this movie, the last minute, I rewound it because I had to watch it again right after because it is so, so beautiful. Um, so I really, really recommend that. You can watch that on Amazon Prime. And the writing is beautiful. Um, I know, and I didn't know this. I only knew that he had written um, The Place Beyond the Pines, um, which I really like that movie too. But Darius Murder or Martyr or whatever. I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing that too, who wrote the screenplay with his brother. Um, and his brother also does a beautiful, beautiful song for this movie. Um, and he also directed it. And I guess he's the best friend of Misha Collins, which I didn't I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but somebody pointed that out to me. So I'm just pointing that out to their out to everybody who's um supernatural fans. So yeah, and um, yeah, it's just it's just a beautiful movie, so everybody should watch it. Okay, so let's get into telenovelas. I don't really know anything about this subject. I mean, I know what telenovelas are, but I don't know much about it. So I'm going to have our panelists just kind of take this away, and I'll just be moderating. So first, I just want to ask, what was the first telenovela you watched, and sort of how were you introduced to telenovelas, Carla? Well being born and raised in Mexico, you kind of, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to watch one or 30 or 85,000 of them growing up. And I certainly did. And pretty much anything that was on the TV, I would sit there and watch. Um, I I don't have like a very firm recollection of the very first one because I, I just have like little, uh, little scenes in my mind that'll go off now. And then, you know, somebody's foot on the brake and the brake isn't working right because somebody cut the line you know, a surprise reveal of an illegitimate child, um, somebody slapping somebody, somebody falling down the stairs, all very telenovela kind of things. The first one that I really, really remember is Cuna de, Lobo, de Lobos. And it's in, in part because it was one of the best telenovelas that I ever watched. And it's not just me saying this when it came out and I was like eight or nine. Um, this is verified by my mother and grandmother who have very di different tastes. So if they said that it was that good, then it must have been that good. And it's not just my recollection. So that for me is like the first one that's really solidly imprinted in my mind. And the story, <clears throat> and I'm quoting here from IMDb, 
Carlos Larios is the head of, a, of one of the most important pharmaceutical companies in Mexico. Upon his death, his wife, Catalina Grill, will go to great and vile lengths to secure her fortune and her bloodline. And it's completely the way that I remember it. And once you make it to the very end of this particular telenovela, there's this one scene that just stops all of your blood and you just stop breathing for a moment because it just all builds to where everybody thinks that they moved on from all of the horror and then, then it all comes crashing down. It's magnificent. It is an amazing twist that I certainly didn't see coming. Um, yeah, so that that's like the first one that I really, really remember. And I don't know if it impacted me so greatly because it was so good or because it was so terrifying. But either way, it's it's like etched into my brain. Awesome, awesome. And Megan? Um, so my grandma, well, my great grandma, uh, her name was Naya and she would sit in the rooms and like during the evening after she finished cleaning and everything and like, uh, cutting flowers, like that was her thing. She was into gardening. She'd watch her telenovelas. Uh, they'd be recorded on the video VHRs and she'd put them in and we would watch them together. The one that I distinctly remember and I think the only reason why she watched this one was because the villain was just so captivating and I can understand it because she just, oh, she was just stunning. But um, the one that initially came to mind uh, was actually Maria La Del Barrio. Um, she, the, there's a, this young 15 year old girl who becomes an orphan. Her godmother dies and she um, talks to her local priest about, like, not, like, putting her into an orphanage, and the priest reaches out to this uh, wealthy benefactor and asks him to take her on as a ward. So she becomes the ward for this man, and the girl falls in love with his uh, son or nephew. I can't remember which. I think it's a uh, son, uh, Luis, and he, they have this really innovative kind of love story, but the benefactor's wife and then the niece Soraya uh they ended up like really hating this girl and doing just some really tormenting kind of twisted things to her throughout the whole thing and I think that's where a lot of like the tropes I feel like really developed from because um if you look at some of the later ones that are now current like you could see they take certain moments from that telenovela which I it's so vivid in my mind even to this day and it's just they take some of those scenes and they like scatter them throughout the other telenovelas but it was just one of those telenovelas where it's like every moment you were like clutching your dad like oh my god did she really just do that like and you would just freak out because she faked pregnancies the villain she would have like this very like beautiful kind of like uh outlook on how everything should be but it was very twisted because you know it, it meant killing people and I think she was truly one of the best villains ever to be made. And um, I just hope that, um, I don't know, I just hope that like we get more telenovelas that kind of have a good strong villain like that. Um, a lot of them do now, but there's just something about her that really always stuck with me. And it was just really special, honestly, just because I got to watch it with my great grandmother and she she was very like kind and sweet but whenever the telenovelas came on it was just all the emotions for her and it was so endearing <laughs> and then Carla I know you wanted to add something onto there 
just that if you ever look at any, if you look up telenovela, just to, to get, you know, a, an image or a gif or whatever, you always see Soraya in the first line because she's so iconic. She's awful, but also iconic. <laughs> awesome. And then Susie. So uh, also much like Carla, um, I was born in Mexico. I grew up in Mexico for a little bit. And when when you do come from a heavily Hispanic family, <laughs> like telenovela is just like watching them is just woven into the very fabric of your being. <laughs> Like it's like there's no way to avoid it. At some point down the line, you're gonna see one, two, three thousand or other, <laughs> and and even if it's like take them all apart, it's kind of all the same, but they're also kind of different, and it's just like what? But I I don't really remember <laughs> which one was the first one I saw because growing up it was just like that's what you watched. Okay, one ended. Let's go watch another one. Oh, we're not interested in this one. Let's go watch another one. Like, oh, this one's a little bit too dramatic for us. We're going to watch one toned down. Oh, this isn't too dramatic enough. Let's go seek another one out. You know, so it's it's always just just constantly watching them. And as a kid, um, when it, my parents both worked full-time jobs, so I was often left with relatives. And I was often left with my great-grandma. And I remember I would go to her trailer with one of my little stuffed animals and we would just we would just sit there in front of the tv and just for hours and hours we would just watch telenovelas and she would try to feed me hardened bread because <laughs> she really liked to go to like the panaderia and get the little um the bread that looks like a little pig I, I don't know if anyone here has had that <laughs> but she would get like the little pigs and she would let them get hard and and she would try to feed these to me, and I would always tell her, "Why why do you want to feed me these <laughs> these pigs that are hard as bricks?" And it wasn't like later on that my mom told me that it was probably because she liked to make herself an atole or a tea or something, and she would like to soak it in it and just really get the the mushiness of the bread without compromising too much of the integrity or something. But like those are just memories that I just have. Like I can't look at those little pigs now without remembering that. <laughs> it's just like the memories that are woven into it. And one telenovela that I remember a lot that my family and I would not miss a single episode of was La Fea Más Bella. And that show was a sort of like a reboot of a Colombian telenovela called. Um, Betty La Fea. And there was also another telenovela that was um, another reboot of that. And then the Americans did a reboot, um, Ugly Betty. And as a kid, I think after, I don't remember if it was after or during that telenovela was on or after it ended, but they made a cartoon of Betty La Fea. <laughs> and it was. It was just her it it was just her adventures as a kid with one of her friends who was also like quote unquote ugly. But like the whole plot of this telenovela was was that she's an ugly duckling. So she's not sort of like conventionally beautiful. She wears glasses, she has braces, she dresses in a sort of from B way, so to speak. And she has a whole group of friends that are 
El Club de las Feas, or The Ugly Club. And she has a best friend who is also, quote-unquote, unattractive. His name is Tomas. And is in there, they have, like, a brother and sister thing going on. And it's just, oh, it's so convoluted. I don't know if I can explain the whole thing. So, essentially, she... She goes to interview for a job, but they don't want to... And she's overqualified for this job. She's super smart. She's super... Like, she's on it. But they don't want to hire her because she's ugly. And and for some... Somehow they look past the ugliness. And her boss hires her, but she has a crush on her boss. And so she's just like, oh, I'll do anything for this man because he is bae. And then it's is she tries to hide her crush from her boss from her friends by telling them that she has a crush on her best friend and she gets him involved into a whole like ponzi pyramid money laundering scheme and he does the boss doesn't really fall in love with her until he he spends more and more time with her and sees her true beauty and and it's it, as always he doesn't like really fall for her until she has like the makeover where she becomes beautiful she goes to like a Mia Thermopolis kind of thing where she, where she's like Pablo took this and this and brought you a princess <laughs> it's oh I just I remember that one so much and like my I remember my parents and I would like never miss a single episode of that because I was just like oh what time is Betty Lafayette on oh at this time, at seven. Okay, let's go watch it. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's move on to just sort of some of your favorites. Um, what are maybe three of your favorites, Carla? Okay, I will narrow my list. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have a lot of favorites. I have a lot of favorites. Um, I'll save my absolute favorite for for later. But uh, Rosa Salvaje was one that I loved and it was one of the worst ones it wasn't even like a quality telenovela but in my defense I was young I wasn't even 10 my standards were definitely different um La Picara Soñadora was another good one it okay Susie remembers La Picara Soñadora it was really cute it had so many just hilarious elements to it um it's one of the the few that I remember being primarily I think comical as opposed to just focusing the romance like there was a lot of romance in it of course but it was just so funny the acting and it was great and oh my gosh okay i'm like looking at my list like which one of my children do i leave off um uh, i'm gonna go with muchachitas because muchachitas i watched as a i guess it was either preteen or teenager and these women were like just 18 I think 18 or 19 and they all wanted to be actresses so they went to this acting school and they came from different socioeconomic backgrounds it turned out that two of them I think were half sisters and they hated each other because they were both in love with the same guy Um, and there was just it was one of the most dramatic telenovelas you could ever hope to watch and it also, one of the muchachitas was Kate del Castillo, who is now becoming very well known in the U.S. She was in a recent, um, in the third Bad Boys movie as the the villain. Not a fan of hers, but good for her. 
Um, I'm not going to hold my everlasting grudge against her for being a terrible person in Muchachitas. Um, you know, against her whole career. I could. I do. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it was about friendship and about overcoming misconceptions about people and really coming together as um, as young women trying to make a name for your, for for themselves while falling in love. And Megan, what are three of your favorites? Um, so I've been finding a lot of mine recently on Netflix, and I know those are hit or miss a lot of the time. Uh, it's just kind of the unfortunate thing with them. But uh, the two that come to my mind uh, initially uh, is Amar uh, and Vivier, or Amar Vivier. Sorry, my Spanish is absolute trash. I love telenovelas, but I recognize my Spanish is trash. Um, it is just a really cute kind of love story of sorts. Uh, not really a love story, but um, so this girl, like, she wants to become a singer, and, like, that's her big ultimate dream. And of course, you know, like, this this man comes along, and that's kind of one of the tropes I always kind of uh, deal with emotionally, but uh, they kind of just go through a lot of tribulations on becoming the best themselves that they want to be, and um, it's just really touching, honestly, just to see kind of this woman really chase her dreams in a way that makes her happy, and it, even though there is kind of a love element to it, she just her love for singing is what makes it just such a a love story for me is the fact that she chases it down like no one's business. Um, and then I recently finished uh, Altamar, and oh, whew, oh, I I love love the the look of this. I loved all the characters. It was just one of those special telenovelas where I was like wow I want to be in this I want to live this life I want to be on a fancy boat living a rich life and have like all these crazy things happen and like the like he's not the captain but he um is the lieutenant I believe of the ship oh he is just so sexy like he's just so unbelievably the jaw the the beautiful abs the pecs just all of it he's just so beautiful and he's just so kind-hearted and you're like oh my gosh I want to be with him it's it's really very saucy um, but I really enjoyed it and I think everyone should watch Althamar at least once in their life okay and then Susie okay so Carla took one of mine <laughs> so I would so I was gonna list Picara Soñadora and well also uh, La Femmes Bella and there's also um, another one called Al Diablo con los Guapos and in it the main character she's like this she's this poor it's kind of an Anastasia story like the animated movie she's an orphan girl from this convent goes out finds a sort of wealthy benefactor falls in love with said benefactor's son and there are a whole trial and tribulations of trying to keep her apart from this thing because no, she's too poor. She's not of our class. And then it's revealed that she's actually of their class, and it's like what? And it's it's oh my god! I know who who could have done this? Who could have thought? Um, yeah, it's it's just uh well. Also, fun fact about the main character of that telenovela, the actress um, Alison Los, she actually lives here in Denver. 
um, I did not know this. I found this out through a friend who goes to church with her and was like, hey, did you know that, like, a family friend, they were like, oh, do, do you know that Alison Losk goes to my church? And like, yeah, she's married and has kids and she only did, like, that one telenovela, but she was still really popular for it. And I was talking to my parents about that and I went, do you think that they're just in Bible study and all of a sudden like her neighbor will turn to her and be like, can you sign my Bible, please? <laughs> I love doing I Diablo con los guapos, please. <laughs> just like, oh, I'll sign it later. Just, just, just focus on Jesus right now. Let's focus on Jesus. <laughs> like, do you think that's like, I don't know. Like, do you, it's, it, I always wonder about that. Like, if they're all just going through their day to day, like all these dumb novella stars, and just they get someone coming up to them, like, you're in Bible study with this person, and they're, and they're just like, just sign it. Just sign it. Just, just right there. Can you bless my child? Like, no, that's what the priest is here for. No, just you bless them. I want you to bless them. Just stuff like that. <laughs> just picturing, especially with the Bible signing the Bible. <laughs> Would you pick a and certain you know, section? <laughs> someone at some point oh, has yeah. gifted her sure. a rosary. Like, you just know. Like, that's, that's a given. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this was my grandmother's and my mother's before that. And my aunties and my whole family. This is yours now. No, but this is the family. No, you just it's your, yours. <laughs> so let's talk about some issues um, in telenovelas. Let's talk about um, colorism, some racism, some classism. Um, Carla, your thoughts on that? I think it's it's as it's a. Uh, I think it's a reflection of what happens in. Latina societies where it's the same issues, but they're just brought to the screen. And these people think that they're not, that they're, oh, we're not racist. We have a black person. We have a black character. You know, we're not classist. We have portrayals of poor people. You know, uh, we're certainly not misogynist. The protagonist is a woman. All of it is still very screwed up when you watch these things. As much as you know, I grew up loving them and they're still very much a part of my entertainment DNA fiber. I, I can still see them for what they are. And there are so many times that I would particularly, you know, like I look at myself, I look at my, at my father and I see the black characters in the novelas who were always the servants. They were always the most ignorant unintelligent people on the on the on the show they were very simple you could never see them rising above where they were there was such uh, a great deal of portrayal of like the mammy stereotype that is particularly prevalent in um in united states media especially of old where it's the black woman who takes care of these white children above her own needs and maybe even her family's needs it's still the same character taking care of this rich mexican family's needs and i'm, I'm saying mexican because the novelas that i watched were mexican telenovelas like honestly until i moved to the u.s and even like long while after that i didn't realize that there were novelas from other countries i was like what 
which is another level of of isms because Mexico is known for being very snobby about its achievements and putting itself above other Latina countries um, in every in everything. Uh, certainly above Mexican people will think that they're better and more cultured and more important than people from just anywhere. Like you, you point to a country then. Cuba, um, uh, Chile, particularly Central America. And that really comes across in the novelas because you only really hear about. And I, I, and again, this is just growing up because I, I, I have kind of moved away from watching telenovelas because I just became so leaden down with the issues that I kept seeing repeated over and over and over. Um, but there was no mention of of other countries unless it was to disparage them. Um, and to go back to the, to the racism and, to, and the colorism, the, any actor who was darker than was, you know, quote unquote acceptable was the maid or the driver or somebody who was in the poor neighborhood or just um, the gang member anything like that. It just became uh, very clear that for the more wealthy Mexican society people, if you weren't white passing, you weren't worth a story. Um, And there were so many times that I would watch these novelas and be like, okay, but this actress is so much better than the lead. Like, why doesn't she have a show? And I always thought to myself, well, I can't wait until she blows up and she becomes huge and she has her own telenovela, not knowing or not really realizing as a child that it's never going to happen for her because she's too dark. Um, and that, you know, that ties in with the, with the classism that, that we see in Mexico as a country and pretty much all over the world that the lighter your skin, the better your chances are of rising to the top and the more you rise to the top, economically the more your life is worth the more that your stories are worth if you're not um making tons of cash and flaunting them all over the place you don't matter who are you even you know like why would we want to hear your story why would we want to see a telenovela about people who look like you or who um are poor and don't overcome overcome their poverty because that's the thing. It's acceptable to start off in a telenovela being poor or middle class. The poorer the better. If you rise to the highest, if you're dirt poor, living on the streets, you know, selling chicles to the drivers as they pass by, but you inherit a ton of cash or you marry into an affluent um, into an affluent family, that's okay. That's when you can be poor. You can be poor if you start off with light skin, but eventually become rich. Other than that, it's not acceptable. I absolutely agree with Carla in all these instances. It definitely feels like there's a huge focus on classism as well as just how light you are in a lot of even the current day ones. And it's something I've always had an issue with and why I've stopped watching as many telenovelas as I used to. 
just because it felt like a lot of them were not focusing on issues that affect us today and they were still kind of clinging on to these issues that you know are important but they are very vague and even kind of old to a certain degree they don't focus on the the diversity that we are now moving towards and should have been at a long time ago but another kind of trope that I'm kind of sick of seeing in um, telenovelas is like the the innocent person becoming um, involved with drugs and then like becoming like power struggle kind of oh I need the money I need all this I need to do all the drugs and sell all the drugs and be the most powerful kind of person and then them falling to this you know this sad ending um, I know for a while they used it as a means to uh, try to stop people from going into uh, mafia, uh, any cartels, mafias, drugs, any sort of things like that. But it just became very excessive to this identity of someone poor is more likely to go into that lifestyle or someone rich is likely to have their hands wiped clean of it. And I didn't like that just because it wasn't a true reflection of some of the criminal justice measures that even in Mexico uh, started implementing to kind of, you know, handle these things to ensure that, you know, people were being managed and punished the way they should have been. Um, a lot of my job, um, I'm in pretrial services. Uh, we deal with a lot of that. We talk to people internationally as well as nationally uh, and across state lines about this kind of stuff and how we can better regulate uh, punishment especially for people who are well off or uh, try to like buy their way out of being punished. Um, and it's really unfortunate that like telenovelas have not seen that kind of improvement at this time. But I think the bigger, even bigger issue for me is that even if you do have a protagonist that is very powerful, like she inevitably becomes weak to love I guess and it's not like an empowering move it almost seems to be like her weakness or the one thing that prevents her from truly being great and I I always found that to be a little bit disappointing and it set a weird precedent for women um, especially because my grandma and my great-grandmother are very old school so they were very much in the mindset of you need to be married by 16, all this kind of like very old lifestyle stuff. And it's like, no, I kind of want to go to school and do all these other things too. But I think a lot of it's because they were exposed to like these telenovelas as well as just the entertainment that would suggest otherwise for women of the Latina cultures or Latina X culture. Well, I think that like telenovelas are rife with the, with, like colorism and classism like Carla said like every telenovela starts with oh look at this person they're so poor they're lesser than and then somewhere along the line their arc involves them finding out their their they come from money or them coming into money and then them being worthy of the main character's attention of like well their main love interest attention I mean and, like there's always that and there's also always like in ev almost every telenovela that you watch and almost every like the, the the main lead is almost always a blonde light-skinned woman and she has blue eyes green eyes brown eyes it just like it's always those features that are just highlighted above everything else and if you go to like mexican grocery stores like or, or flea markets you'll see a ton of like skin whitening and lightening products to help you 
get like that lighter skin that's more desired. There's even like shampoos that are that they sell that will supposedly make your hair turn blonder. I succumbed to that too at a young age. And I would buy those and because I wanted to turn my hair blonde because that what that's what I saw as desirable. And for the longest time I was so proud of being more light skinned than the rest of my family because in my mind that was more desirable to be now I'm just like if I tan I tan I don't know just whatever but even like even if you had telenovelas where there was a person of color they were always mixed and they and if they were a main character they they well they were mixed but they were just always like slightly tanned like there was never like a really like true person of color and that kind of that kind of representation of these expected societal norms and standards of beauty leak into like how we raise our children and how we perceive ourselves and like I'll even admit it in my own family we had a kid who was born and he he came out all white with blonde curly hair and he's, we call him El Guero, little white boy. And he is the most adored child in the family because of this. Because, and you'll see this time and time again, like if, before him, it was another kid. And bef- and I think after him, it'll be another kid. And it's always, I'm sorry, grandma. It's almost always like the grandparents, like showing this favoritism, which also breeds a sense of, resentment and inequality in the other family members because I have an aunt who is jealous of that kid she's jealous of this baby because he's viewed as more desirable than her own kids because he's seen as the favorite and every time we we call our relatives it's always like what's going on with Eduardo what's what's going on with this and it's always that and it's just since it's such a fabric of our culture, all these ideas, they leak in stuff. So it's always like, oh, if you got to, like, you never, that's, it's always the thing in my family. You never turn a cartel because they're always bad. And then some of these telenovelas will romanticize carteles. And then you have kids joining them because sometimes they want to see if they can get a sense of that romanticism. And, and they, like, it's just... I feel like there needs to be like a fundamental change because it really affects how our own society perceives itself, how we perceive others, you know? And I just, I I feel like there has to be like a change because just, yes, they're a product of their time, but I think it's time to change that and reflect something new and better and more positive, more inclusivity, like, don't have romance be the center of the storyline. Maybe it's just she's a self-made woman and if she wants to fall in love, yeah, but don't have that be like the main focus that drives her to do what she does and such. I mean, I do like them, but like there's so much more that could be done, I feel. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and I think that really points out in every form of media, it doesn't matter where it is, we find these issues. And, you know, 
they may be different the way they're presented, different issues, but there's issues with all the entertainment we consume. And it's just it's just interesting how every single form of entertainment we consume has some kind of issue with this issue with some kind of representation issue issue with toxic tropes um issues with something with you know just classism with everything like it, it's so in, it's interesting to me and it can be disheartening that every media you consume has these issues um you know and that's i think that's what leads to a lot of other issues in in society you know so so thank you everyone and then um other thing i discovered when i was doing a little bit of research um and i don't know everyone's thoughts on this is um i saw that sometimes telenovelas are used to transmit socio-cultural messages um carla have you found that to be the case or what are what are your thoughts on that yeah absolutely telenovelas are kind of um a way to pass off messages that are approved by the right people, so to speak. Um, There's a big thing about uh, Televisa, which is the biggest, or was, I don't know, the biggest station in Mexico and the biggest producer of telenovelas up until a while ago because a lot of what they would put forth were things that were, I guess, passed down from from government entities or from um, from big social interests about ways in which we were supposed to behave as good Mexicans, ways that we were supposed to be as good citizens, ways that good women should behave, ways in which, you know. And it's, um, it, it is very much a slap in the face to discover down the line that, oh, this has been propaganda this whole time. You know, it's, you're going into this to be entertained, to have something to do for a couple of hours in the evening when you finish school or you finish your chores or when you put your kids to bed. And then, wow, a lot of it is just somebody shoving messages down your gullet because you're in a, um, I guess in a suggestible trance of TV <laughs> um, and particularly, you know, especially years ago when there wasn't as much competition in Mexico. And again, I, I keep saying Mexico and it, that's simply because that's my experience. I don't, I haven't done a lot of studying on the topic. This is just what I know of my own experience. Um, growing up, there just were no real alternatives to Televisa. Um, the other station and, you know, of course, because I'm a I'm a product of my generation, uh, we were told that the other station, oh, TV Azteca, that TV Azteca, that they produced inferior products, and you know, like, oh, you don't want to watch a TV Azteca production; they're not as good. And then you, you know, you go and sneak one just to see what the fuss is all about, and you're like, oh no, this is actually pretty good. It's just like not the stories that Televisa is telling. Um, and then you discover like this whole other world of telenovelas. Um, that are from other countries that have other messages. And in my life, you move to the United States and you're exposed to so much more. And you discover one, Televisa is not the be all end all. And number two, that everything that you've been consuming for the previous years of your life has been guided, not by a desire to entertain necessarily 
but also with an element of um oh what's the word um of wanting to to control you um and, and i i think that's particularly true because de la visa had such a stronghold on entertainment for such a long time and they would fight very hard to maintain that and it didn't seem like there would ever be any other that there would ever be alternatives and then when they when there were there was a huge effort that i remember to keep us away from them so i don't i i think that there's like a lot more to it that than i'm you know very aware of that i'd like to read it read about but that's just from my experience and from talking to friends and family who who are still in Mexico and who have a lot more knowledge about this and you know from what they tell me it's like no that's totally right that that's what was happening so yeah it's it's really it's really sad yeah um and Megan yeah, I've definitely heard uh, very similar things. Uh, my great grandma, she grew up in Mexico, and then she came to New Mexico, lived there, and she would visit us in Colorado during the summers. And she would be kind of surprised that, you know, there was just so much more different TV shows and just things out there that she could watch and she just didn't realize before. And it definitely changed her outlook on a lot of things and caused her to reflect more on kind of uh, decisions she was making in regards to like how uh, she was treating kind of the women in our family and how she was raising them to believe certain beliefs and whatnot. Um, it was something I think definitely affected my grandma specifically because her and my grandma are super close in age. Uh, she had my grandma when she was only 14 and they bumped heads a lot because she would force a lot of these uh, kind of teachings that she learned on the TV onto my grandma and my grandma would be just against it just because she's very strong headed like that. And it caused my grandma in turn to kind of disassociate herself from her culture a little bit because she thought it was just that it was just entirely bad that it was just kind of brainwashing, especially the television. So she didn't like having television in the house for a long time. And it took a lot for her to kind of get over that hurt and just the the ideologies that really caused her a lot of pain growing up. And uh, it's something that I never really thought of personally, just because it's never truly affected me because I'm later generation. But I know it definitely had its effects on my grandma. And it was something that uh, really changed her outlook on consuming uh, television as a whole. Interesting. And Susie? Yeah, they they can be used to like transmit um, social cultural messages, and they have been used to transmit them, like with the whole blonde hair and blue eyes, green eyes is better, and being white, light-skinned will offer you more opportunities, and also the some of them, especially I think the older ones, put a big importance on like, oh, you have to f- find a partner a man and have kids because that's kind of very important and that uh, we watch it our parents watch it our grandparents watch it and that 
becomes like they may not even realize it but that becomes like a deeply ingrained part of their being and if you sometimes if you confront them about it they'll just be like no it's just a show like it's not even really doing anything but when you take a step back and look at the sort of things you realize that no yeah it is like influencing how we all think and how we feel and such and it's also the the thing the factor that it plays in firing kind of like a desirable mate because almost also every um almost no protagonist that i've seen in these shows is either a buff seductive man or a man who is light-skinned with blonde hair more um eurocentric features i guess you could say that really kind of like kind of cancel out the more I would say ethnic features of of Mexicans I would say because listen I'll be the first to admit I'm not like you would never see this face in a telenovela not as the romantic lead no because you know why my face it's too round it's not angular enough my nose it's too wide it's not small and dainty and narrow like it should be my hair oh this ain't blonde this is flaming cheeto red and it's 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 just stuff like that that we see and then it informs our understanding oh not to talk about like the various standards of beauty that they push forward like, you will not see these women in these shows without a lick of hair anywhere else than on their head. Like, there's not, and also, and also that also does bleed into the culture because as a kid, as an emerging teenager, we, due to stuff like this and other factors and other media that I consumed, I would, sh- I would shave every hair of my body because that was, was seen as desirable. And because I wanted to be seen as desirable, that's what I would do. And, and like I said before, I think that stuff like this is very damaging to a girl's psyche because then it, it's what, it's what leads to possibly developing all this anxiety about your appearance and being depressed that you don't look like the leads in these shows and that you aren't having any semblance of a life similar to that of these actors and actresses and characters that you look up to and that you like. Like, one trope that I'm so ready for it to be just so done is the ugly duckling trope. Where it's like, oh, she has braces and bangs and and glasses. Like, they're not desirable until they go through a transformation. And then they're like, oh, my God, the pinnacle of beauty. Like, I, I know there are so many directors out there that can do such a good job of subverting and changing all these tropes and expected norms and make something that's more positive and more uplifting for like the the younger kids of our generation because I feel like that's where changes start because then if we get these kids to see them represented themselves represented in media then they can possibly start having these conversations with their relatives about about what their parents or their relatives consider the norm and how sometimes that's not necessarily the best, that there are ways to, like, grow and and evolve. Yeah, just one thing that I didn't think to mention was 
the the push for Catholicism in telenovelas, which you know it, it's it's a big cultural thing in 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 Mexico, and it certainly for me growing up was that you never really heard about other religions other than you know like to other them it's like oh well you know they're not catholic but catholicism is a, is a big part of of what is considered to be mexican culture and it's a big part of telenovelas in a lot of ways because you have all of the instances of there being you know like the the nun or the priest who are the ones who give you sanctuary and refuge they're the ones that you can count on and rely on um, the number of times that a protagonist has considered going uh, to a convent or becomes a nun to um, to become her best self, uh, everybody with their we can see then their rosaries and everything, like all of the the more pious people, whether they're sincerely pious or not. There's a lot of praying. There's a lot of um, there are a lot of emotional scenes in churches where you know somebody is dying or in a coma and you go and you sit there and you pray for them and like there it's the genre is just completely I think steeped in Mexican Catholicism I remember Muchachitas the one of the novelas that I talked about as being one of my favorites um I remember this scene and it was like dragged out like oh my god you would not believe Elena my favorite character was in a coma and everybody was super duper upset, okay? Like super duper upset. And to show you how super duper upset they were, there were, I think, like two or three episodes where they're in the church. And I think it was the Basilica de Guadalupe um, where they're praying. And you're like, <laughs> you have like these very long monologues of, uh, you just see the prayerful, prayerful faces and all of the tears streaming down, down their, their face. And they're praying for Elena and, you know, but, but the, the thing that you come away with the most is so much prayer, so much prayer. And growing up, I didn't think much of it because it's like, yeah, you pray, duh. That's what everybody does. It's just part of your life. But that, that was one of the things that I think um, culturally really hammers it into you is that it's not just your abuelita and your tias who are going around with rosaries and having their rosary circle every Thursday. It's also in the in the novela. So it gets reinforcing you that we're a Catholic country. We're Catholic people. This is part of, of who we are. And to not be that is to not really be Mexican. And it's not um, to be a good person. I just want to say, you know, as someone who really is not familiar with this topic, I think it's really, this has been a really so far interesting and great conversation. And I've learned a lot. And I just really appreciate everybody sharing things. I just wanted to put that in there. Um, okay, so let's move on. I just want to briefly touch on, I know there are a lot of different genres within telenovelas, such as like mystery thriller, romance, working class melodrama, even horror. Um, and I just want to go around and just see what everyone's maybe favorite genre is. If you have a couple, go ahead and mention a couple, Carla. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I think I'm pretty much a sucker for the the more funny ones or for the ones that are just these big sweeping romantic, very dramatic novelas. And I mean certainly there are like a million other other genres, just like with, you know, any 
any country's entertainment, whatever, there are like all these genres. Um, there's also one that I that I think of that I really do enjoy, which is the fantasy element novella, where they're, they're just, you know, um, people that only you can see or you, only you can talk to and that they come and they help you. And, you know, um, I, I just think it's, it's really sweet to be a grown up and to have somebody appear to you who is helping you through your life and all of your your difficulties. Um, but I also remember growing up and watching the novelas that were made specifically for kids, which is a funny thing to think about. It's like they're novelas specifically for kids that are aired at times that are kid friendly, like 5 p.m. You would watch your little kitty novela and it's not it's not like a romance, although like the the parent of the child would be a widower or divorcee who's looking for love and um, they fall in love with a kid's teacher or, you know, like all of these things like that. But there was one that I remember called Carousel that it, it was the cast was just kids and they were they were in a school and um, and they were in all in the same class. And it was just watching them deal with with childhood and with their parents and everything like that. On the other side of that is that there was this one kid who was black and his parents, you know, lower class, they were poor, um, not particularly bright. And he was in love with like the whitest white girl and she was nothing but mean to him the whole time. And I hated it. It made me so sad, but it, it was still aside from all of that. It was a cute little novella because it was just about kids and it was for kids. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't see that listed on. Well, except for teen ones, I didn't think I saw that listed on the ones here. And Megan, um, I really like telenovelas that do time period kind of pieces, just because I do feel like they do a really good job regarding it. Like especially if it's like taken from a piece of history that I feel like. Americans like to erase or pretend that they don't know about they do a really good job kind of talking about it going into the costumes as well as kind of the uh you know the ideologies of that time as well as just the overall feeling in Mexico specifically um of the ones I can think of and I just really enjoyed those because it helped me learn more about my culture and stuff just because like I feel like I I, I grew up in a household which was uh, half uh, Native American and half uh, Mexican, but uh, I came out looking white. So a lot of that um, allowed me to experience more of a white culture in comparison to my other cultures. And it was just this weird kind of like, I didn't know where I belonged kind of thing. So I had to like learn about like different parts of my culture as well as adapting to this other culture I was being thrown into by watching a lot of television. And whenever I would watch those type of telenovelas, the time period piece ones, I definitely felt like there was just a lot more love in those than some of the other TV shows I would watch. And I watched a lot of telenovelas growing up and it was something I really couldn't talk about just because like I went to school with all these white kids and they'd be like, Oh, why are you watching all this, like this old stuff? And it's just like, I just want to learn about myself. That's all. Um, and it was just really cool to see costumes and all that. And it really influenced my decision to go into sewing and that later in life. And it's something I really enjoy doing. And I learned a lot from those pieces on what 
the clothing should be like or what it was like and how it's even changed now and it was just really cool experience for me in that essence so one of the genres that I definitely saw a lot more growing up was the kind of like the working class um melodrama sort of uh telenovelas which is like rags to riches sort of thing uh, I really liked watching the historical ones <laughs> as well because mainly due to the costumes because I just I like seeing all the different like the outfits and the fabrics and the colors and the designs and also as a kid I don't know why they let me watch this but there was like a horror telenovela <laughs> That we would watch sometimes. I listen. I don't remember the name, but I remember one of the episodes like so vividly. It's like ingrained in my brain. Okay, so one of the episodes was this one called La Mano Peluda, the hairy hand, and it was a hand which was kind of like thing from Adam's family, but it was like real hairy. But this hand, it would just like scurry around and kill people. And I, I think they ended up like throwing it in the river or something in a box or something. I don't know. I, but I just like, I remember this hairy hand like crawling up these bars of a window and just like grasping onto them. And I just thought it's so vividly ingrained in my mind. <laughs> I don't know why they let me watch stuff like that as a kid. It was a bad idea. Uh, there's also like the, well, the romantic comedy uh, ones where them and also the movies I would watch as a kid would lead to me having a really big love for romantic comedies they're, like, looking back on them now there are so many issues with them <laughs> but they like I feel a little bit better knowing that I can recognize those issues now <laughs> and maybe just for a moment if I need to have like some mind numbing thing to watch I'll just have that on in the background and go about my day it's like it's that stuff you watch when you don't really want to pay attention to what they're saying but you just need some background noise and you're like oh I know what's going on I'll laugh at this joke at this time I'll have this other but I'll continue with my business things like that <laughs> um and just as I was a preteen I think or a little bit before that there was also like the teen drama telenovelas and one of the most popular ones that I remember that I used to watch at my great aunt's house was Rebeldes. And it was this group of kids who kind of started a band. Yes! She's singing it with me. Soy rebelde. Yes! <laughs> it's this group of kids who become like a music talk ba- pop band and it led to the real life creation of RBD, which has that song as one of the <laughs> one of the just as part of their discography oh I remember me and my cousins at every family kind of like reunion we used to sing that a lot and it was yeah okay yeah <laughs> stop now I embarrassed myself um, I know one thing when we were having our little chat um, is that Maria Le Del Barrio did I say that correct please correct me it was mostly correct. Marina del Barrio. <laughs> you just have to roll the R's and you're good. Okay. 
Um, I know that that became like there were a lot of famous memes from that, and a lot of I think there were even like gifs. I say gif. I know everybody says gif. I say gif. Okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, um, but I want to talk about that, Carla. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, so many thoughts. Okay, <laughs> so Thalia, who is one of the most famous telenovela actresses um, of all time in Mexico, um, and is also a singer-ish, um, <laughs> she starred in three telenovelas that were what became called the, the Tres Marias. It was Marila del Barrio, it was Mar- uh, Maria Mercedes, and Marimar, and they were all the freaking same thing. It's all this poor girl who is too white to actually be poor, so she eventually becomes rich. And that is a storyline for all three of them. Um, what makes them different is that Mar- Mariela del Barrio was a, um, she's basically a kid, and uh, Megan described the, the plot already, so I won't rehash that. And we did get the wonderful gift that was Soraya, who is like the queen of all villains of any telenovela. Like they have the roots in Soraya. You can thank Soraya for everything that they do that is just so twisted and so delightful because she played it with just absolute delight. She just seemed to really enjoy digging in there. But yeah, like the, the memes that, that, um, that I constantly post the, the gif that I constantly post of where she's rolling the window up. Like she can't hear you like, la la la. I don't know what you're saying. That's one of them. The, the screaming in Spanish one that everybody uses when they want to scream in Spanish. It's like, ah! that's her. Um, but the, like I said, the other two Maria telenovelas were same plot, different setting. So um, Marimar took place on the coast because the joke is that her name is Marimar, get it? Mad, like the ocean. So she's like this little coseñita, this little like coastal girl, and then she becomes rich. Eh, what a shock. And Maria Mercedes, which is my personal favorite, mostly because it has like the most banging intro music. Like you look up the song for Maria Mercedes, you get this son that makes you dance every single time it comes on. It is the only good thing about the novela, though. So just be warned. But uh, but to go back to Maria Le- Le del Barrio, it's what really kicked off that um, that period of time where Talia was the the queen of telenovelas, and um, they had these vapid stories that were very entertaining. Because yes, they were vapid, and yes, they were entertaining, and they weren't entertaining because of her acting. I would say they were entertaining because just the other actors around her just made it so delightful to watch. There was also really nothing else on. And she was big in pop music at the time. So it was just kind of like the thing that you had to watch. But yeah, that, that's my, my experience with Thalia and any of the Marias. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. So I have a whole album full of just gifts from that, just so I can pull them out when I need them. If I want to be extra dramatic and I just want somebody to know how I'm feeling in that moment, then I pull out those gifts immediately and I'll start sending them on blast. <laughs> it's just something that makes me feel better. It's, it's, it's therapy in a way. Okay. It's really just therapy. <laughs> and I, It's just a really enjoyable thing that 
it became like this huge moment. Um, this idea of like crying in Spanish and like all this thing in Spanish because you know telenovelas are just so dramatic. I feel like Carla did a great job earlier talking about that with her introduction. That's how it felt when I would watch this villain on screen. It was just like that. It was beautiful, and I wanted to convey that. And but and gifts allowed me to do that, so I do that now. I collect a lot of telenovela gifts, though, just because I feel like they're more interesting than some other gifts. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the cutesy stuff and everything. But if I really just want it to be known that I'm feeling a certain way, I will throw that out there. And everyone knows that it just really bothered me in that moment. <laughs> That's awesome that you have a whole folder. <laughs> and Susie. Oh, yeah. The meme-worthiness of that show is just... Just... <laughs> like, whenever I see something that I'm in disbelief over, I always just do the... <gasps> gasps in Spanish. <laughs> where she's just like that one meme where she's just... <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. Just, uh, It's just... I, I just I can't say anything more about it. It's just great. <laughs> Carla, are you going to add something there? Yeah, just that, like, that telenovela totally belonged to Itati Cantoral, who was Soraya, and the way that she can act with her whole face. Because there's the, the, the one gif where she's, like, eating villainously. <laughs> <laughs> The direction, you know, there's a lot of voiceovers for her where you're hearing her thoughts as she's acting. And she has like the, this long, drawn out speech about how evil she is and this evil thing that she's thinking about. And I see it's her face and she's like chewing and just like, ah, mm, yeah, mm, no, I don't like that. Oh, I do like that thought. Yeah, that's not. Oh, I'm going to get her. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic eating. <laughs> I think we should all eat dramatically more often just do that randomly just the next time you're eating with someone just start eating very dramatically and see how they react <laughs> i'm always so tempted but i feel like it's a choking hazard yeah that's that's a good point that's a good point do it with something maybe i don't know that isn't as much of a choking hazard. ice cream <laughs> this is gonna sound like really weird and those who've seen the gif know but if you started like eating like that in front of someone oh i just want i just want someone in front of you to go Really? Right in front of my salad? <laughs> Carla knows. She knows. Oh, yes, I know. I love that one. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about briefly some famous alums. Like we talked about in our daytime soap episode, there have been some famous actors that started on soaps, and there have also been some famous alums from telenovelas. So, Carla, um, who are some that you want to shout out or mention, or some of your favorites? Oh, I could go on about this forever, but I won't. I will be a good girl. So, um, well, for one thing, when I looked up just the term famous telenovela actors, or just famous telenovela whatever, it was all men. Like, just... All men, and I was like, "Oh, where are the women who are the primary polls for this?" But for me, um, Lucero is definitely up there. She starred in some of the best telenovelas, 
that I that I saw she was in Los Paritos Pobres and um that novela was so wonderful and sweet. I just, oh my gosh, I absolutely love that one. But she started really young. She started with a, the novela called Lucerito, uh, Lucerito. Was it Lucerito? Well, that was what they called her back then, Lucerito. And it was just really cute and just fluffy and sweet. And it, it, it just fills my heart with joy to think about it. Um, but Lucero was definitely one of my all-time favorites. Um I've already mentioned Thalia, and I will mention her any further because I don't think she's famous because she's talented. I don't think that that's what it is. Um, just putting that out there, it's just how I feel. You don't have to agree with me. Just know that I'm right. Uh, there's also Laura Leon, who she started one of the worst telenovelas on the planet, but it, it does not leave my mind because she just leaves such an impression. And that's Dos Mujeres Un Camino, which also has an amazing... Uh, theme song which she sings and that uh, my family keeps laughing at me for having it on my playlist but I'm sorry I can't help the quality is quality you know like laugh if you want it's a damn good song um, Eduardo Palomo que en paz descanse who was in um, he, he was in La Picada Soñadora for one thing and that was before he got all buff and tan and became Juan del Diablo for Corazón Salvaje which is my all-time favorite telenovela. He was just, he just seemed like a genuinely good guy, like somebody that you would want to chill with. And, you know, I just, he's he's also super cute. Okay, whatever. He He's super cute. I won't just hide that. But um, also somebody that people who might just be listening to this casually might actually recognize, which is Jaime Camille. Jaime Camille, um, was one of the stars of Jane the Virgin. He played Rogelio de la Vega. You can't just say Rogelio, it has to be Rogelio de la Vega. He uh, he was in La Fea Más Bella at the, the peak of his hotness, which I thought that's what it was at the time, but then you see him in Jane the Virgin, you're like, nope, still rising. Um, there are just so many wonderful actors, Itati Cantoral, whom I've already mentioned, who I think could play just about anything. Um, yeah, I, I just, there's a whole list. Trust me, like, I can't, I'm getting, like, all, like, uh, tripping over my words because I, I'm just like, oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> awesome, Megan. Um, so I'm going to bring up two. So Gabby Espino, she was in uh, Santa Diabla. And seeing her in that, that was, that was a move. She was just completely completely sexy throughout the whole thing and everything she did was just absolutely spectacular and she was someone I followed for a long time um and the other one I am gonna mention is from Altamar uh it's Ivana Paquero uh she was the main character in that I just really love her in general as a person she's just the sweetest and her Spanish is just so unbelievably good and it's just very melodic and it's really nice to listen to. And she's just a good actress in general. I think she was also in Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I can't remember which character off the top of my head right now, but I think she was in there um, as one of the supporting actresses. I can't remember exactly who, though. So I do want to say... Um, uh, Araceli Aram, Ar- oh my God, I'm going to butcher her name. Araceli Arambula. 
from Corazón Salvaje. <laughs> just go to, <laughs> just imagine the rose petals falling. <laughs> and of course, her co-star, Eduardo Yan. Yan. Yeah. Oh, it's that type. Hold on, I need a little sip of go-go juice. I just want to okay. hop in and mention that this is from the other Corazón Salvaje. Eduardo Yan. Yan. Yes. Oh my God. Can never get that tilde to work for me. Ah, <laughs> oh, no good as a Mexican. Oh. And there's also um, Adela Noriega and Miss Laura Flore, who's also in Diablo con los Guapos. And I don't, okay, I know he's not technically a telenovela actor. But this man was the voice of my childhood, so I'm going to give him a shout-out anyway, and that is Eugenio Derbez. <laughs> I watched so much stuff from Eugenio Derbez. Oh, my God. Listen, the first time I ever watched Shrek, right, it was in Spanish. He was the voice of the Donca. And listen, I never watched Shrek in English until I was, like, a teenager. Because before that, it was all Spanish, baby. And that's all I knew. So that whole line of donkey, I never knew that. I only knew Spanish. <laughs> but it's all right, because Eugenio, you're, you're great. Thank you for voicing the characters of my childhood. And thank you for making so many shows like Vecinos and La Familia Peluche, <laughs> which is so good. Um, there's also another... Well, they're not my favorite, but they are a famous telenovela actress who has who became the first lady of Mexico. Um, Angelica Rivera, who, as some of you may know, some of you may not, she is the well, I think now ex-wife of Enrique Peña Nieto, who was just a really bad, really bad president. You didn't hear it from me. Uh, but yeah, and oh, just just that, yeah. But I'm just gonna circle back. Thank you, Eugenio. Muchas gracias. Just wanted to reassure Susie. Yes, he had a telenovela. It was oh, called he did. he did. It was called No Tengo Madre. Oh, and, okay. And when they canceled it, and you know that that rarely do telenovelas get canceled. But when they canceled it, he changed the title to Javalio Madre. Okay, that's good. See, yeah. So yeah, so he is a telenovela actor. <laughs> All right then. Also, if I ever meet him like post COVID, I definitely want to give him a hug and just give him like the most heartfelt of thank yous. Okay, well, we're going to wrap things up um, with I just want to know the telenovela that has stuck with you the most and why, Carla. Corazón Salvaje, forever and ever and ever. It's the epic tale of two sisters one of whom is engaged to this guy but then the sister bumps into him and then he falls in love with her and the other sister goes off to become a nun because she's so sad and depressed and there she meets Juan del Diablo who is uh kind of like a pirate but Juan del Diablo has already met his sister he has already met her sister and they've done it they have bumped uglies and they fell in love and then he now has to see her marrying this other dude who turns out to be his half-brother. And then 
she and Monica, who is the one who was going to become a nun, they decide to just have a relationship despite everybody. And then guess what? They fall in love. And there are obstacles, but more than anything, there is love and romance and sexy, sexy times. That was so awesome just watching you describe that. And Susie, you wanted to add something? Game of Thrones, who? We don't know her. Amen. <laughs> and let me tell you, I have the soundtrack to the telenovela. I have memorized the soundtrack to the telenovela. It is the, one of the only things that I have that is just instrumentals. And it is, like, in my brain. Just want, I just needed you to know that. <laughs> awesome. And Megan. Um, so going back to my uh, historical kind of drama stuff, uh, Bolivar, uh, I really liked that one a lot. It made me happy. Uh, I love the costumes in it, and it was just a feel so good thing. I don't think it's quite as dramatic, and Carla did mention a really good one. That one's definitely in my top, so yes, that is, yeah. If you were to watch any of the telenovelas, watch the one that Carla just mentioned, because, ooh, it has all the sauciness. <laughs> awesome, and Susie. I would have to say, well, again, La Femme Más Bella, that has just stuck with me, especially the theme song for it. And also, funny enough, so I was on TikTok the other day, and I found out that the theme song from Betty La Fea is, is being used as a sound by makeup artists, <laughs> as like a, a before and after, so the song i'm only gonna say like the first few bits of it because that's the only part that i know because everything else is too fast for me to keep up with but it starts with like a very dramatic violin and then it goes to the like it goes and basically she's talking about how like the lyrics are this woman is talking about how everyone's saying that she's ugly and how she scares people away with her looks but these makeup artists are using it as like a before and after of how they do their special effects makeup. And part of me is just like, do you guys know what that's from? I mean, you might not, but if you do, that's so cool. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'll have to go look at that. I haven't been on TikTok in forever. I created a TikTok account and it confuses me so much. I do not understand it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really done with the internets myself. <laughs> yeah, it's just for some reason the TikTok, TikTok and Tumblr are the ones that just, I don't understand them. I have a Tumblr that I haven't visited in like two, three years or something. I don't know. I don't know if it's even still there. Maybe it got taken over. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah, so I'll take that up. But. Okay, well, thank you all so much. I, this has been really interesting conversation. I've loved listening to everyone. Um, so thank you. I do enjoy doing these occasionally where it's, you know, like when we did Harry Potter not too long ago um, and Outlander and stuff. I do like the ones where I'm not necessarily familiar with it because it's just interesting and fun to watch everybody else, especially when I can see the reactions and hear the passion in the voice and in everybody's voice when they're talking about things they love and they're passionate about. It's just a lot of fun and I enjoy it a lot. So thank you. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up and have everybody say where they can be found if they want to be found. Um, Carla. Yes. Thank you. I, like I said, I am Carla Temis and I can be found online pretty much anywhere at Carla Temis. 
Um, I also co-host a podcast with frequent guest panelist Meg, and we are Bed, Wed, or Behead Pod. We primarily live on Twitter at Bed, Wed, Behead Pod. And you can find both of us there. And it's an awesome podcast. It's a lot of fun. So <laughs> I recommend listening to it. And Megan, are you remaining anonymous? I am, but I am definitely going to hype up the podcast just mentioned because it is really good and I love it. So please go listen to it. <laughs> awesome. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. And then Susie. Yes, um, you can find my precious pupper on Instagram at Benny underscore Pelucita. That's B-E-N-N-I-E underscore P-E-L-U-S-I-T-A. And I just want to give a really quick like recommendation to anyone who is either Spanish speaking or just wants to watch like a funny comedic show. Go take a look at Vecinos. It's, it's a comedic smorgasbord. You'll like it. It's fun. Thank you, Susie. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, um, any telenovelas you'd like to mention, feel free to email the show at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. Please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get found in that big, wide world of podcasts. And on the next episode, Susie will be returning along with Angela to talk about K-dramas. And this is another one that I don't know much about either. So that should be a really, really fun conversation. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.